You're listening to Business Casual, a podcast about making dollars and cents Aha. in commercial real estate. Welcome back. I am Tim Churchwell, the commercial guy with Rob Simbiante. Hey, folks. Rob, a lot of the information we're talking about right now is very relevant today, but it may not be in six weeks. Yeah, which, which makes sense. The mantra when I was out in Anaheim or uh, NAR, among all the commercial brokers out there, was stay alive till 2025. Yeah, well, I gave you the volume and sales transaction numbers. Stay alive till 2025 was literally the mantra out there. When you hear somebody up there, yeah, when you hear somebody up there talking and they're giving these statistics and they're looking around at all the residential agents saying, hey, you guys think you're having a little bit of a tough time now. When you see a commercial agent, you need to buy them a drink. (laughs) (laughs) It's always weird how that's a thing where residential agents, a lot of the time, will see the larger size deals go down on the commercial side and be like, oh, I want to get in commercial. Yeah, You want to get in commercial when the going is good. Yeah. And then when things go bad in commercial, it's not like residential where people still need to buy houses. People sometimes don't need to buy buildings. (laughs) Yeah. So things really stop. Um, And that's something that people don't uh, always think about. Yeah, it's... Well, coincidentally, I've also seen statistics saying that even though rates may come back down, housing prices are going to continue to go up. I mean, they've been going up during this rate increase. Uh, I heard another statistic while I was in Anaheim talking about, I believe he said that one-third of all home sales right now but in North America, not just the U.S., but in Canada as well, are new home sales. They're not recent. And a lot of new housing development. Yeah. Huge. Uh, and then that reminds me of this wild headline I read. I don't recall when I read it, but they were going to put a ban on big hedge funds Oh, purchasing up single yeah, housing. that's very recent. The, uh, there's actually a bill proposed Crazy. to do that. Now, not just Crazy. hedge funds, just Wall Street in general. Well, you got to remember a lot of your very large REITs and stuff like Blackstone, uh, while they're not the only ones, they've moved into buying whole subdivisions and actually developing the land and building the houses strictly for single family rentals. Yep. So could that be a driver in us finally eventually seeing the end of the rise of single-family house pricing. Well, here's the question. Well, you're talking about with the rental rates, or are you talking about... Because remember, they're doing these houses not to sell them. They're doing them to rental, to rent them. They're buying them to rent. They're going to be forced to sell them, though, if the bill passes. They're not allowed to... Yeah, well, over the course of 10 years. Or they have to pay 10 years. They have to sell it over like 10 years, right? Which, my opinion... If they pass that, it may prevent them from buying more now and building more now, but they will get that repealed within the next 10 years. Yeah, 10 years is a long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, as we all know, so many things can happen and change in that time frame. Yeah. That's like two elections. That's so crazy. Yeah, that, that, that could be a drastic <laughs> change. But I found that to be interesting that they are taking hits at that. Um, and then earlier when Mr. Biden was talking about, you know, taking away the 1031 and making everyone pay their taxes, like these massive things have been 
under some sort of scrutiny over the past few years, which is intriguing. Well, Will it ever change? You never know. But yeah. Well, the 1031 is a constant headline during elections. And the reason why is because it appeals to that tax, tax the rich more scenario. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, you know, there's talks out there and there have been talks for quite a while. Let's do away with if you buy a house, take away your tax deduction for it. Yep. <laughs> People are fun in the way they like to do things. But then again, you want to know what I understand what those folks are saying. Do I agree with it? No. However, I get it. You, It's like, oh, I want to have all tuition paid for for students. Okay. Probably making everyone who has a 1031 open right now pay their taxes on everything is going gonna, is gonna to generate a massive amount of income for that. However, what is the result of doing so? Mm-hmm. Like what would happen, hypothetical, what would happen for a lot of investors if 1031 came due? What, what would the result of that be, mm-hmm. in your opinion? Hold on, you talk. What do you mean come do? You're talking about the ones that are open right now? That all of a sudden Let's have say to pay taxes? all the open, like the people also have been taking 1031s and they're taking it to the grave. That was their idea. Mm-hmm. Now they've got these massive 1031 bills that have just oh, been deferred the... and deferred and deferred. Rob, real quick, tell everybody what a 1031 is first. A 1031 is a section in the tax code in which allows you to sell a property and take all of the money that are gains from that property and invest it into a like category of real estate and pay no taxes on the gain. So if I bought a, let's say a house for a hundred thousand and I sold it for 200,000, I could take that a hundred thousand dollar gain that if it went in my bank account, I would pay taxes on and then put it into buying a $400,000 house, which is how you're able to buy more houses faster because you're able to take all of that money rather than only a portion of it. That's right. It's the power of compounding, right? Which I believe Einstein said was actually the greatest force in the universe. Mm -hmm. I think that was him. And so, yeah, so more of your money goes to work for you making money. So, folks, that's what we're talking about when we're discussing 1031 exchanges. Yeah, it'd be pretty, pretty interesting to see if that ever happens. I don't think it will. But then again, I didn't think that rates were going to increase from three to <laughs> eight and a half and nine, but uh, this life, isn't it? Hey, I saw an SBA loan proposal for 11% with quarterly adjustments recently. It's lovely. Could you buy down the, or like lock it in somehow? I advise my client not to take it, not to do the deal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I said, look, this just doesn't make sense. Yes, it's a great property, high visibility, all this other stuff. I said, but they couldn't afford the risk of rates not dropping precipitously. It's so. been interesting also to think from a out-of-the-box perspective that folks that are starting businesses in these times where rates are high, mm-hmm. if they make it through those times, those are going to be extraordinarily successful businesses in the long runs compared to ones that couldn't handle the low rates in the past and just barely scooted by. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, I guess, a silver lining in which we're going to get great operated businesses. And with regards to restaurants or services or things that are in your hometown, they're going to be 
high level, high octane operational businesses if they're going to survive rather than the small shop that didn't really do it. And they kind of were able to get by like a lot of those that were eliminated, unfortunately, during COVID. Yeah, we'll see some some new businesses come up that are that are quite extraordinary. Our uh, are there a lot of businesses opening up in Hampton Roads is uh, is stuff expanding over there? Are we still seeing the same names? I mean, there are some new ones coming. I'm trying to think of some of the most recent. Some national retailers opening up franchises here. I tell you, when when IKEA decided to relocate here, that really opened up our market to the retail market. Before that, yeah, one of the thing, one of the biggest things that almost all retailers look at, they look for a radius, you know, demographics within a radius. So you go out and you're trying to pitch a company that's so used to looking at that and you pull up a radius and the first thing they see is that a portion of that radius is cut off because of water. I'm like, oh no, well, you know, I'm losing that whole mark, that, that whole pie of the market right there and da, 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 da. Well, Ikea locating here, all of a sudden they realize that maybe there are some other ways to look at the demographics, you know, drive times, those types of issues. Yeah, we're getting, we're, we're still growing strong. I mean, we just, we're at five, uh, as a region right now, Hampton Roads is at 5.9% vacancy on retail. I mean, it's crazy out there. And again, it's especially service-oriented stuff. I mean, restaurants, you know, restaurants are hot, man. I mean, it's just, I'm trying to represent two right now. Now I've got a restaurant going available? into Victory Plaza. Actually, I've got two okay. different restaurants trying to go into there, one at each end. Are they okay being together? Yes, totally different <laughs> concepts, totally different concepts. Perfect. So, yeah, one's a Mexican restaurant and one is, uh, you know, I don't, kind of a soul food culture type of thing. It's, okay. it's an interesting twist on it. That's about all I can go into. But oh. <clears throat> they're so, there before February. Let me know. Yeah. I'll be around town February. Oh, wait. I'm hoping yes, I'll be home you. by then. First, yeah, you better be home by then, or else you're going to be at the bottom of the ocean. Well, you know, a week after I get back, I've got to go to uh, Maryland for um, for uh, CCIM for the yeah. Mid Atlantic. They're doing it as an actual reg is a large regional type of uh, conference this year. You know, three hundred people, okay. national speakers coming in. It's going to be okay. a good event. Uh, installation is just a very minor part of it this time. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because uh, is, is it going to be multi-day? Is it going to be same day? Yeah, it's multi-day. They're even offering some classes around it. Okay. Yeah. What spurred the change compared to the prior years? I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard about it when I jumped on a call trying to oversee the chapter. Like, well, yeah, this year we're going to do it this way. I'm like, all right, more power to you. I said, do, I said what's my role to be there? I'll just show up. I'm like, all right. That's not a bad role to have. Yeah. Good old Maryland. Lovely. Are you guys doing it at the same? No, uh, Bethesda, thing? Maryland. Bethesda, oh. Maryland this time. Because of the parking issue and the traffic jams and everything else. So they wanted to do it there. Hey, at least I get to yeah, wear my hat this time. You get to what? I get to wear my hat at this one. Oh, yeah. It's because the last one you weren't allowed to. Yeah. People, if you don't know, I'm known for wearing a hat all the time uh, i've been on the covers of magazines and, and with a tuxedo on inside the magazine i still have a hat on 
Uh, it's just kind of my shtick, I guess. It makes you uh, memorable. Uh, there's this guy, Alex Hermosi, which has been becoming very popular as of late. And he always talks about having something that makes you more memorable rather than just handing somebody a business card and then you have the same face, same shave, same suit, same everything. It's like, well, what made you special? Like, how do I remember you? Like, I just met 40 people this weekend. I'm sorry. I, you're probably a great guy, but what can really hammer you down as somebody who's unique? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's go back to the retail, Rob, and, discuss, and explore that a little bit further. One, another aspect that we're seeing, and I remember uh, Casey Conway, he was the chief economist for CCIM at the time. He was telling us a couple of years ago, he goes, look, a lot of your retail centers are going to be more focused around anchor stores, your grocery anchored stores. Because let's face it, people are still going to the majority of their shopping by going to the grocery store. Yeah. You're not going to order all your groceries online to be delivered to your house every week. And so you're saying that would be advantageous for somebody who's an investor, somebody who's looking to buy uh, a a building like that to have somebody who is reputable and going to be able to stand the test of different markets with those anchor tenants. Well, that's more the aspect because remember a good anchor, a lot of your good anchors pay less rent than most of the other stores in there. And the reason why is because they draw traffic in. And if there's traffic coming in, then now you can charge more to everybody else. So, yeah, if you can pull all, you know, pull in that type of traffic, yeah, I mean, would you rather have a pizza place, for instance, next to a grocery store that has a high volume of traffic or to a dead shopping center? Which one are you going to pay more for your rent on? Or Walmart, for instance. I mean, very few landlords make any money off of Walmart being the, being the tenant. They make money from all what we call the mom and pop stores all around it. You know, mm -hmm. hey, sure, I'll charge Walmart you know, eight bucks a square foot because I can charge $35 a square foot for all this other space. Exactly. And make up for it. Now, question for anchor tenants, does the name make it an anchor tenant for you or does the terms of the lease make it an anchor tenant for you? Just curiosity. No, well, you can technically you can say, oh, anybody's an anchor Basically, your anchor tenant's going to be your primary tenant in there and probably your largest tenant. However, usually when you're referring to an anchor tenant, you're referring to, you know, some type of a credit type of lease. And by that, we mean somebody that has a, a rating, a name, a presence out there. Uh, uh, it's going to be a destination spot, you know, whether it's a grocery store could be a cheesecake factory, something along those lines. So that's going to be your, your anchor tenant. What's the primary draw for that shopping center? Yeah. How many times do you go, hey, let's go to ABC Plaza versus going, hey, I'm going to run down to the Food Line Shopping Center or to the Kroger Shopping Center rather than calling the plaza for what the plaza name by the, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Exactly. It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you got any tips for our folks out there looking to buy buildings in regards to anchor tenants? <laughs> uh, lending market. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah. Actually, that's a, that's a great thing. Are lenders going to be more 
open <laughs> to financing properties that have your Kroger's, that have your larger chain anchor tenants in there well, rather than. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, they're certainly going to do that. Just like, you know, the return, you know, your cap rate and your, you know, and your discount rate and everything on a shopping center that's anchor tenant like that, you're going to have less numbers because it's less risk. So you're less of a demand for your return. Same thing with the underwriters. They see less risk, so they're more inclined to underwrite it. Okay. Which well, is also folks, why rates right now, you know, I mean, when you can find a property, it's very difficult to find, well, yeah, to find the numbers that we're looking for that can, you know, I mean, five and a half or 6% cap rate when you're, you know, it's going to cost you seven and a half percent, you know, in interest to buy the property. Difficult out there, but things still move and business still carries on as usual. Of course. In different ways. And talking about carrying on, this is the time where we need to move on, people, and say thank you for joining us. And that's it for now. The Business Casual Podcast is recorded in the Hurrah Studio and edited by Mark Harlan.